the miracle story of the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish and is able to feed a crowd of 5,000, plus, it says, plus women and children, so well over 5,000 people were fed. This miracle story is well known to us, and it's actually the only miracle story that's captured in all four gospel accounts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all feature this story. And so it has with it not only the miracle aspect, but, it, but it's central to how the gospel writers chose to tell the story of Jesus' ministry. And so for us, as we hear this story today, it's one for us to really dig into and, and seek to understand uh, in a, maybe a new way. Sometimes Scripture has a way of speaking to us in a new way, even when it's very, very familiar. But I was struck at the beginning of this text, having just gotten back from a six-week sabbatical, it said, when Jesus heard this, he went to a deserted place by himself. And I thought, huh, that's kind of what I did. I was able to tour... Uh, on a part of the, my sabbatical, nine national parks and uh, did lots of hiking and wilderness wandering. Most of it, I was completely by myself. So I was telling uh, Joanna earlier, uh, I would send Kelly a text at the end with a picture to just prove that I was not dead. I did not fall off a mountain. Uh, sorry, Clayton, to let you down. Uh, I came back whole. But Jesus withdraws to a deserted place to be by himself. And so the question, as we begin looking at this text, is why was he withdrawing? If you go back and look at the chapter uh, verses before, chapter 14, it's actually the story of John the Baptist being killed. John the Baptist is actually a relative of Jesus, some kind of second cousin, and uh, he is the predecessor to Jesus' ministry. So he tells people to repent and to get ready because God is going to send the Messiah into this world and to prepare your hearts for his coming, to get ready. And so John, his ministry really dovetails with Jesus' public ministry. But John also finds himself getting in trouble. It's a precursor to Jesus' own trajectory. John is arrested by King Herod and he's held in captivity. King Herod does not know what to do with John because he's very popular. But um, now let's see if you can follow this uh, family history here. Herod's brother uh, dies and Herod now wants to have a relationship with his brother's wife, who has a child. They never get married, but they have this sort of, uh, it's alluded to that there was some things going on here. And the daughter of this woman, who he wants to marry, but won't do it, says, bring me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Does anybody remember that little uh, gory bit of scriptural detail? The head of John, this is a child, asks King Herod to do this, and he does. And she 
they bring the head of John the Baptist to this child, this girl, on a platter, and she brings it to her mother. And then the followers of John were able to take John's remains and give it a burial. That news gets to Jesus, and he's so grieved, so, I'm sure, horrified to hear this report, that he leaves the crowds, he leaves his disciples, and he goes off by himself. Maybe he needs time in prayer to talk to God about this terrible thing that's happened. Maybe he just needs time uh, for himself because every single day up to this point in Jesus' ministry, he is surrounded by people. Everybody wants something from Jesus. And it's no surprise, he's healed people in miraculous ways. He's proclaimed God's word in a way that people had never heard before about God's kingdom reality. And the crowds just get, get bigger and bigger and bigger. So Jesus goes off by himself in a deserted place, leaves everyone behind. When he comes back, the scripture says he saw the crowd, the crowd that's been waiting for him, the crowds that had heard the mighty deeds and power that Jesus had performed, a crowd of people who had physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Now, in many ways, that day when Jesus sees, sees those crowds, he probably, his tank was probably empty, filled with grief, loss, shock and horror. He could have just said, come back tomorrow. And no one would have blamed him. Certainly the disciples who knew what he was dealing with would not have blamed him. But the scriptures uh, say that he was filled with compassion. And I just want to underline that point because when we see Jesus and how he interacts with the disciples and the crowds, we see the very heart of God revealed. So Jesus, at the lowest point until he gets to the cross, at the lowest point in his life, sees people who are hurting and has compassion. There's never a day, there's never a moment when what you're going through escapes God's attention. God sees your pain, your struggle, whatever you're going through, and sees you with love and compassion. So Jesus sees the crowds, and instead of sending them away or saying, come back tomorrow, he has compassion for them. And then it says, he cured them of their illnesses. And this is a crowd, as we know, of over 5,000 people. So he's doing this pretty much the rest of the day. And then the disciples who are witnesses to all of this are probably helping get people lined up to see Jesus. They say, hey, Jesus, we're in a deserted place. And uh, guess what? It's dinner time. You should send these people into town so they can go buy themselves something to eat. Now, before we dismiss this as being a, a sort of callous and you know, uncaring by the disciples, to me that sounds like pretty good advice. If you're out in the middle of the wilderness, say at a national park somewhere, it's not like there's a 7-Eleven around the corner. So sometimes you either have to 
take provisions with you or take prudent steps to make sure that you don't run out of food or water. And so the disciples say, well, they should, they should go now because it's, it's going to get too late and, and they, they, they need to eat. Jesus says, you do not need to send them away. And they say, well, we only have five loaves and two fish. And they're looking at this multitude of people, thousands and thousands of people. And yes, for those who are always trying to understand these miracle stories, they weren't really big loaves of fish or, big, or uh, loaves of bread and, and really big fish, right? There's no loophole here. These are just regular loaves of bread and fish. But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Now, we know how the story goes, and Jesus has the full power of God at his disposal, so he does the Jesus thing. This is not to dismiss the miracle, but we get it. Jesus, you're impressive. Five loaves, two fish, multitude of people. Way to go, Jesus. Can we just stipulate that Jesus is awesome? He can do anything. So I think the real point of this story, it's a faith formation story for the disciples. Because the disciples need to, to, to change their mindset from a worldly one to a kingdom one. See, in a worldly mindset or, or worldly logic, when you have thousands of people in the crowd and it's dinner time, five loaves and two fish is not going to get it done. It's very practical. But in a kingdom reality, instead of seeing a group of people and looking at your meager provisions and saying, we don't have enough, the kingdom reality that Jesus is teaching is you have something. Start with what you have. And I think this is such an important lesson for our lives, a spiritual lesson as well as a practical one. Because I don't know about you, but for me, one of the things I find myself uh, getting a sort of in a, a trap doing is I spend my time thinking about the things that I don't have. Anybody else? Or you think about the things that maybe are not going well. So, for example, how many of you feel like you have enough money? You have enough. How many of you feel like you would like more? This is church. You got to be honest. How many would like more money? Uh, how many of you feel like you would like more time in your day to do the things that you would like to do, or time to spend with the people that you love? Okay. How many of you uh, feel? every single day, 100% healthy. Some of our children are, are healthier than the older ones, right? So when you have concerns about our money, our time, our health, and you just pick whatever thing you want, we tend to get kind of obsessed sometimes or, or get sort of locked in on the things that we're missing. So when the disciples see this huge crowd and they see their meager provisions, all they can think of is, we don't have enough. They're, they're not seeing five loaves and two fish. They're seeing, we need 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fish to feed these people. And they're, they're, their mind is set on the things they don't have. And this is true not only for us as individuals, but it also could be true for the church. So I'm going to just speak a little. I've been had six weeks to think about this with you. But I've heard here at Bethel, sometimes people say, well, we used to be bigger. For those who've been around a long time, do you remember it used to be bigger? 
And I've got news for you. That's true for every church in America. Every church used to be bigger. But guess what? You're here. We're here. What can God do with us? It's not about who's not here. It's about who is here. And what are the gifts that you have, that we have together? What are the opportunities that if we took our gifts and instead of worrying about what used to be, we live into what God is inviting us into right now and into the future? This is the lesson that Jesus is teaching the disciples. They say, five loaves, two fish. Jesus says, bring them to me. So he takes the bread, he holds it up, he blesses it, and he breaks it and the fish and hands it to the disciples. And this detail for me, if we want to talk about a faith-forming event, it's that Jesus himself does not distribute the food. He lines up the 12 disciples, he blesses the food, he gives it to them and, and has some kind of way that he distributes it, right? So you can imagine like 12 lines or something and there's, you know, the food is at the table and they come up and, and they distribute some and then they go back and as, they, as they're distributing the food, they never seem to run out. And if you can imagine the same people who said, we only have five loaves and two fish, have been spending, you know, it probably took a couple hours to feed that many people. They keep coming back to get more, and there's more uh, food, and they keep feeding people, and they're like, how is this happening? How is it that we never seem to run out, and everyone is getting food? And not just a little food, because that's another loophole that sometimes people like to dismiss the story. Well, maybe they each got a little crumb of bread and a little bit of fish. No, it says they ate their fill and there were 12 baskets of leftovers. There was more food at the end than there was at the beginning. Imagine you're one of those disciples. You've seen Jesus do all kinds of stuff, but this, this miracle story is one that would stick with you. And maybe that's why it's found in all four Gospels, is those who witnessed it said, when we tell this story of Jesus, make sure to include this story because it's so powerful and it's about God's abundant blessings. We may think that we don't have enough, but we have God's abundant blessings. We may think that we're lacking in some kind of way, but we have an abundance of blessings. And instead of focusing our mind on what we don't have, spend your time and energy focused on what you do have and how God can use that to bless others. God's abundant blessings start with us. They start with our time, our talents, our gifts. And each and every one of us and all of us together have so much to offer a world that is hurting, that is in need, and a world that needs to be reminded that they are loved. We have everything we need to do God's work. The story of the loaves and the fish is one we can come back to again and again. And it points us to those abundant blessings that God showers upon the people, but it also points us to a future uh, kingdom reality 
where we don't just get what we need. So if you contrast, for example, the story of the five loaves and the two fish to the story of manna, if we know the, the, the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness and they complain because uh, they say, well, we had better food in Egypt when we were slaves. So God says, well, we're going to give you manna, which is a sort of bread thing. And, and, and the, the way that worked in the Old Testament was you got just enough food for the day. You had to go out and collect the bread every day. And if you tried to accumulate it for the next day, by the next day, the, the, the bread that you saved was going to go bad. It was going to get rotten. Here, with the loaves and the fishes, what we see with Jesus is it's not just you get a little bit for today and you have to come back tomorrow. This is an abundance. This is, this is a kingdom reality feast where you get everyone gets fed and there's leftovers. There's leftovers and it's a glorious feast for everyone. This is a vision of the future. This is a vision of heaven and, and the kingdom reality of which we can be part. And we can be part in our future, but we can be part of that here and now. And by focusing on what we have and the ways in which we're blessed, we live into that kingdom reality right now. So may our faith be abundant. May our faith hold fast to the promise and presence of God in our life. And may we, with compassion and love, share the rich blessings we've been given. Amen.